Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. KRWM 106.9 FM, Digital HD3, Bremerton, Seattle. This is Contact Talk Radio. The views expressed on ContactTalkRadio.com are those of the guest hosts and callers and not necessarily of this station, its management, or other advertisers. Hi, this is Catherine Bradford, host on CTR, wanting to let you know that you can now hear me Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. and Fridays from 2 to 4 p.m. On every show, I'm excited to bring you incredible guests who are experts in a variety of fields, offering the latest in cutting-edge technology, wisdom, inspiration, and important global issues. To find out more about all of these programs, please visit my website at www.wellnessroadshow.com. Again, that's www.wellnessroadshow.com. Thank you very much, and I hope you'll be tuning in soon. Ever had a conversation and felt like a weight was just lifted off your shoulders? Every Friday at 10 a.m. on a new way to handle absolutely everything with Elise Coit, we'll explore being powerful, capable, master problem solvers. Join Elise, who's a certified integrative life coach, and her guests for an hour of consciously and joyously handling absolutely everything. Don't you feel lighter already? Just imagine finding people who are looking to help you. In this day, in this age, this economy, we could all use a little help, right? Well, you're just a click away. Go to the Contact Talk Radio website at contacttalkradio.com and click on the business directory. There you'll find a bunch of people who are ready to help you in many different fields. Personal development, alternative health, social sustainability, environmental and healthy living, everything from energy work to healthy dining, business development to relationships, it's all at your fingertips. Go to contacttalkradio.com and click on the business directory. We are all feeling the change right now in many different areas and levels in our lives. So for a lifestyle that you richly deserve, go to the contacttalkradio.com website and click on the business directory. Find the lifestyle that you would like more information on and enjoy all the superb opportunities and make contact with what matters to you. Hi, this is Marcy Shimoff, author of Happy for No Reason and Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul and featured teacher in the hit film The Secret. Did you know that happy people earn almost $1 million more in their lifetimes than people who aren't happy? 
Well, my friends David and Kristen Morelli know this, and that's why I've teamed up with them for a very special opportunity. Hi, this is Kristen Morelli. I'm one of the co-hosts of the hit radio show, Everything is Energy, right here on Contact Talk Radio. And because happy people earn an average of $1 million more, we teamed up with our brilliant friend, Marcy Shymoff, to give you, Contact Talk Radio's listeners, a way to increase your happiness and your prosperity. Never before have the three of us come together for this type of live, free coaching session. It's live and it's free for you. We'd love you to join us, and we're going to show you how. Find out how you can join us in this exclusive opportunity by going to www.everythingisenergy.com forward slash contact. You'll learn more about this live, free call at www.everythingisenergy.com forward slash contact so that you can earn your extra million and also add greater happiness to the abundance that you already have www.everythingisenergy.com forward slash contact. Listening live right now, visit our chat room at contacttalkradio.com and join in on the online chat. She says life is a creation at every moment of our dreams and beliefs, ever-changing and ever-expanding. She continues to write and develop a number of projects for television, film, and literary release. Welcome to Awakening with Marla, with your host, Marla Mables. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Awakening with Marla today, and uh, I'd like to introduce a friend of mine who is doing miraculous work, I like to say, um, for the rainforest um, that are that's uh, the president of the Amazon conservation team, Mark Plotkin. Welcome to the show again, Mark. How are you today? I'm fine, Marla. It's great to be back on the show. Thank you for the invitation. Well, I couldn't help myself because I was uh, at a screening of um, This Is It, Michael Jackson's film that was done after he had passed on and um, I was just so inspired by his earth song and by the millions of people that thanks to Michael are now again being reminded of the problems we have with deforestation in our world and the importance of protecting these rainforests so who popped in my mind from the moment earth song began but my dear friend Mark Plotkin who's out there you know doing the work risking his life uh, for the sake of um, all of us, for humankind. So, Mark, I just first of all, again, when I am reminded of what's happening, we all get so busy, I, I thank you for your tremendous efforts that you continue to put forth. Um, well, we thank you, Marla, because you're not only a valued friend, but an advisor to the organization, and I know you're making a difference. Oh, thank you, honey. Well, we can always do more. So, hey, this is my bit to share today. So I'm, I'm really hoping uh, anyone that's listening today can just really, you know, take heart and listen to, to ways that we can help mark and help raise the consciousness and the, um, the knowingness for governments and people around the world and what we can really do to help really ensure this dream of Michael Jackson's that was so predominant in This Is It and so many others is taken care of, which is like save our planet, maintain nature at a level that can just, you know, keep the vibrance of our planet and our oxygen breathing. Um, Michael, well, I'm keep calling you Michael. Boy, he's channeling in today, I think. <laughs> how, how did you like the film last night? Well, like saw? everybody else who grew up with Michael Jackson, which I guess is everybody else, I went there to see Thriller and see if they could really redo the, the guitar. 
I was quite taken aback when I saw the, the part on the environment and the part about the forest and the mention of the Amazon. And I think what it says on a, on a deeper structure level is that uh, the environment is part of our well-being, is part of our soul. And, you know, Michael was never uh, thought of as uh, a rainforest explorer, but I don't know if he'd ever been there. But the fact that it touched something in him says that it touches something in many of us. And, uh, you know, this type of attention to the causes is urgently needed right now. Right, it is, and that's why I just I, I knew this is the time. I mean, this this is the time that we really continue to make ourselves aware of what's happening. So, just tell me about that. What is the status of rainforest conservation at this point? Well, very much in the spirit of Michael's title, uh, this is it. You know, like you said, the time is now. And if you look on the BBC website this week, there's a whole review of the Amazon and what's happening to it. And the predictions are pretty dire that 30 percent of the forest could be gone in the next 10 or 15 years. But I also think there's reasons for hope, and those reasons are the very successful methodologies of working with indigenous peoples to protect indigenous lands. You know, the last time we talked, I pointed out that only 5% of the Amazon is in national parks, but 30% is indigenous lands. And in the case of working with indigenous peoples to protect indigenous rainforests, the park guards are already in place. Great, 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 great. But I also see that there's been... You know, a lot of unrest continues down, you know, in that area. And I think in this this decade, there's been, you know, at least 11 chiefs who've been shot and killed. How, you know, how's that going there? How are we able to protect these these incredible, you know, indigenous ones who are out there on the forefront um, protecting their lands? Well, How one of we my personal heroes is Chief Almira of the Surui tribe in the western Amazon. And there's a fabulous article on him, which is easily findable on the Internet. Just look up Rainforest Rebel. And there's Chief Valmier in, in Smithsonian Magazine. The man has a $100,000 price on his head. And that's mm-hmm. put there by the loggers who want him dead because he's the best protection of the forest. So, you know, having grown up in, in this country, in the U.S., uh, being taught about the Wild West and how the cowboys tamed the Wild West and tamed the Indians, when you see the equivalent of today's Wild West, you see it wasn't, you know, so romantic and so sweet that there was a lot of uh, bloodletting in the process. And so when you hear Chief Elmer speak, like he did recently in California at the Bioneers Conference, like he did recently in California at the Social Venture Network Conference, it brings tears to people's eyes because he doesn't get up and say, let's save the rainforest because I want it, it's mine, it's my land, we need it for medicine, all of which is true. He's saying, look, the planet is ours, we've got to live together, let's find a way to live together, white with black, with red, uh, people with plants, with animals, because it's in everybody and everything's best interest. And that's real poetry and it happens to be true. It is real poetry, and is it just that there's so much green mark, or, or is it their lack of knowledge with these people that come in and think they're going to cultivate the land and harvest plants and, and do all this? Are they thinking they're doing good, or they, do, they, do these companies know exactly what they're doing to destroy the rainforest? You've got to remember, Marla, that the, the rainforest in the Amazon in South America covers a lot of ground. It's the size of the continental U.S. I mean, most people associate the Amazon with Brazil, but there's nine countries in the Amazon. Just to give you an example. Okay, New England is a pretty big chunk of real estate. And mm. the Colombian Amazon, that nobody thinks of because it's just like a little, a little bump on the back of Brazil, the Colombian Amazon is twice the size of New England. So we're mm. talking about a lot of land and a big forest. But yeah. remember that in, in, in such a big area, many things are happening. For example, in the southeast, it's soybeans that are eating up the rainforest. In the BBC a website I mentioned earlier, it points out that I think it was this year that uh, that Brazil surpassed the U.S. as the world's largest exporter of soybeans. And that's being done at the expense of the forest in the state of Mato Grosso, which means great forest, where they've cut down all the forests except for the Indian land. 
the northwest Amazon in Colombia, the forest is being destroyed to plant coca. So it's right. not just, you know, a, a company. It's not, you know, it's all for hamburgers or all for soybeans or all for cocaine. It's different things in different parts uh, of the Amazon. Right. And yet we know, like, uh, the cocoa nut, right? Isn't that what we get chocolate from? Or are you talking about the cocaine? Well, there's... <laughs> I know there's a cocoa uh, nut that I like to to have in my morning blend shake. Uh, (laughs) It ain't a drug, I don't think. (laughs) It's a common source of confusion. Cacao (laughs) is what we make chocolate from. That's a tree from the Amazon. Anytime you have a bowl of Cocoa Krispies or have a a $13 bar of Italian chocolate, you should be thanking the rainforest. Coconut uh, comes from Polynesia, even though you find them throughout the tropics. And coca is what comes from the northwest Amazon, and that's what you make cocaine from. So a mound bar of coconut and chocolate is a very tropical creation. Uh, Cocaine is a different plant entirely. Yes, thank you so much. And do not let me ever confuse the two, please. That would not be a happy ending. But now, now, so we see so many of these chocolate bars. I'm just going off on you. I know you're scientists and ethnobotanists, and we can talk the deeper things. But we see these endangered species chocolate bars what what are these companies doing are they are they giving back to is it really making a difference that's an excellent question and i recently sent a uh, assistant of mine to whole foods and i said buy me one of everything that says we give money to the rainforest yes and of the ones we got and we're able to track down one i repeat one of those was for real and that's Uh. nature's path organic cereals uh the rest of the stuff that we, we that we checked uh it didn't check out so this is not to say that, you know, these are all fraud. It's to say when you look at green marketing, uh, when you look at, at Ajax or toilet paper and it says that there, there's some green angle to it, you know, check it out. In the age of the Internet, it's easy to do. But what you shouldn't do is, is, is believe everything you read. You shouldn't do it on commercials. You shouldn't do it on candy bar wrappers. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I, I'm going to choose the product that, that does say, you know, it's, it's going back to an endangered, you know, um, area or, you know, helping the, with the homeless. I mean, I think we are a very, you know, aware society now. So so how do, how do we go on and check these things? What, well, there's, we, a, there's a good way to do it. I mean, one is to read what the company says. One is to see if other people are attacking them. And there's something called Charity Navigator. That's worth repeating, Charity Navigator, that rates charities in terms of effectiveness. Because mm-hmm. giving money to a charity, which has, you know, almost 100% overhead, uh, isn't a good use of your, of your charitable dollars. So all charities you support, whether it's homelessness, rainforest, uh, AIDS, uh, Somalia, uh, see how effective the charity is, both in terms of efficiency and effectiveness. And that all ties into this being a better green consumer. And I, I don't want to discourage anybody from being a green consumer. We should all be. But let's make sure our uh, green dollars are really uh, saving green forests, not just uh, the high-living uh, people using the green for other purposes to, to line their own pockets, quite literally. Right. So it's Charity Navigator. Thank you for that. That's important. I've I got to say, you know, years ago in the early 90s when we first, you know, became friends and, and got to, to have our first conversation, I mean, your, your group was one of, uh, you know, the most productive in taking the dollars and placing it right there. To, to help people. So, you know, I know that's something we constantly have to look at with charities, and it's so hard to maintain uh, foundations these days. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Days as people are in trouble, I know the organizations are in trouble. So, I again, I want to send people well on my website, marlamaples.com, there's a link um, and under awakenings to ACT and Mark's work that he's doing there, or you can go directly to, is it amazonconservationteam.org, or is it just Amaz- ACT? Amazonteam.org, and I call people's attention to that because we've just put up the first ever Google Earth tour of Indian lands. Uh, so go to amazonteam.org or through marlamaples.com, and you'll see this Google Earth tour, and you can walk through the forest like the sir we do. You can uh, meet Chief Al- Almira electronically, and I think really this is the sweet spot for this type of work, Marla. It's not the medicine man versus the microchip. It's the, mm-hmm. the sweet spot is somewhere in between. And I know that you and I have talked about this, and you've mm-hmm. been very helpful with our mapping efforts, where we have uh, nearly naked people recently out of the Stone Age walking through the jungle with GPSs to map their lands. And this is the type of charitable work which has resulted in the protection of 42 million acres of rainforest, which has resulted in uh, more human rights protection and awareness and better alliances for 32 different Amazonian tribes. And it's real, it's measurable, it's successful. And how exciting that we can go to AmazonTeam.org and actually feel like we're there and taking a part in it. So that's, that's wonderful you've been able to put that together. I look forward to looking into it myself. Um, and I also, Mark, isn't Google? So Google is really partnered up with you on this, it looks like, with Google Earth. Yeah, we're working very closely with Google Earth, and there's another great thing on the Internet. You should have a link to this on your website, marlamables.com. It's called Trading Bows and Arrows for Laptops, and it's Ooh. about Chief Almir, uh, through our work, building an alliance with Google Earth and uh, realizing that they can't just protect the forest anymore with bows and arrows or shotguns, and that yeah. technology is a very important tool, not the only tool, but an important tool. And so when loggers come in, the Indians have better maps. When miners come in, the Indians show them where the headwaters are uh, and where they fish and where the fish spawn. And so it's not about teaching Indians that the outside world is bad, because it's not. Uh, It's teaching Indians how to deal with the outside world on their own terms, how to make informed choices, and ultimately the decision is up to them. Oh, that's wonderful, honey. And I I know that sometimes... um you brought some of your, your leaders up into America for many of us to meet, like Don Luciano and Amasina. Um, and um, how, how are they doing today? Well, you know, I think that a lot of people are saying they speak for the Indians. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like uh, Dr. Seuss, they speak for the truffula trees, you know. Well, <laughs> why do you speak for these people? Why don't you hear from these people? And I worry a lot about environmental vapor, where people making claims for Indians that, that they can't back up. So if we say we work with the Indians, if we say we speak for the Indians, should we be giving the Indians a chance to speak for themselves? So mm-hmm. on very rare occasions, we bring people like Amashina, the great shaman from the Northeast Amazon, or Don Luciano, the great shaman from the Northwest Amazon, or uh, uh, Chief Almir, the great tribal leader from the Southwest Amazon, so people can hear from them directly. He, he spoke recently at a conference in San Francisco, as I mentioned, and there was mm-hmm. a lot of crying going on because he was such a poet. Mm. Mm, beautiful, I know. And it, and how can people just 
really keep up with where you're going to be in these conferences. Is that posted on your website also? Well, we put this on our website. Uh, we now have Twitter. Uh, we're always looking for new ways to communicate. We have a blog, whytheamazon.com. And, you know, we live in the age of, of, of fractured uh, fractured media. I mean, I know you're a few years younger than I am, Marla. But when <laughs> we were growing up, there were only three channels of TV. So if you wanted to put out a, a message on racism, you did a show on All in the Family, and then everybody talked about it the next day. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. uh, going from 30 million people watching a show, you have 1 million people watching a show, which is now considered success because the market is so divided, and you need to communicate in different ways. I mean, that's one of the reasons I did my IMAX show. That's one of the reasons I did my my kids' book, because you have to address all these different audiences in terms they can understand. Right. And how is the, um, the I wish I'd seen the IMAX film. Is it playing in San Diego now? The IMAX film is now playing at the Fleet Center in San Diego. It's one of only three films in IMAX history that was nominated for an Academy Award. So you really do feel like you're there. Uh, the only thing that's missing is heat and mosquitoes. It's heat and mosquitoes. I know. <laughs> I know. I've planned a trip with you so many times, and, and, and we've, I've not been able to make it down there with you. But uh, it's, it's the snakes I was a little more concerned about than the heat and mosquitoes. And probably the mosquitoes are definitely the most dangerous. <laughs> Well, having grown up in Georgia, uh, Marla, I'm sure you've seen mosquitoes and heat and snakes before. Yes, I know, but I, I'm a little more comfortable with mosquitoes. So uh, <laughs> I think they make big snakes down there in the Amazon, don't they? The biggest snake <laughs> in the world is the anaconda, which is essentially a water boa, uh, yes. reaches the length, according to some, of 40 feet. I think the largest mm -hmm. specimen on record is 32 feet. But uh, they tend to focus more on large uh, uh, and small aquatic creatures. So as long as you spend limited times in the river, uh, you'll be fine. I'll look out for you. So stay in the boat. When we're paddling down the river, stay in the boat. <laughs> Good advice. Listen, I want to invite any of the listeners that have any questions they'd like to, to ask Mark um, to please call in. We're here to take your take your calls today, so we're happy to hear from you. Um, so, Mark, what are your plans at this point? You are, are you in the Bay Area now? I'm in the Bay Area. I'm off to speak at a conference in Flagstaff. Uh, Saturday night, and then uh, back to D.C. to do some uh, uh, year-end stuff, and then back to the jungle. But uh, I had the coolest job in the world because one week I'm sitting around the fire with shamans talking about healing in the sixth dimension, and the next week I'm sitting around with corporate leaders trying to find ways to get them to support the efforts to protect the forest and protect the peoples that live there. Yes, you do. You definitely go in and out of, of quite a few worlds, that's for sure. Um, I just think it's so interesting and a great creation on your, your part. I mean, when you went to school to be an ethnobotanist, did you have any idea what was your life was going to be like? Uh, you know, I regard education and life as, as, as a path, and I don't think it, you, the idea that you go to school and you learn stuff and then you learn all you need is, is, is necessarily the case. And when you go to Harvard and Yale, like I did, and then you go work in villages with, with nearly naked, illiterate people, and they know a lot more about conservation and medicine and ecology than mm -hmm. your uh, professors at, at the, some of the greatest universities in the world. It's quite a humbling experience. And that yes. taught me that uh, universities are toolboxes where you learn some stuff, but you've got to use that stuff to learn more stuff, like my old professor would say, uh, if I rest, I rot. If I rest, I rot. Yep, we got to can't. We've got to fight complacency. That's for sure, and uh, that's one thing that you you don't leave a lot of time <laughs> beneath you beneath you to uh, build up any dust, do you, Mister? Well, one of the things that concerns me, Marla, is that you know with this terrible economic situation we're facing. I mean, we're all feeling it. Everybody took a financial haircut. 
people say, well, you know, I'm down 10%, I'm down 20%, I'm down 40%. Uh, I don't know about charity. And, and my response is, look, uh, God's not making any more rainforest, you know. You can't come back to this three years from now and think, okay, I'll just pick up where I left off. It's not like not writing the synagogue a check this year. We're not writing the, the hospital a check this year. Mm-hmm. These institutions all have needs. Church, churches have needs. They're helping the homeless. But we're looking at a very finite resource in terms of rainforest, a very finite resource in terms of shamanic wisdom. And, you know, again, people say to me, well, you know, I, I, I realize the rainforest is important, but we've got problems at home, that we have human rights issues, that we have poverty, uh, that we have all this stuff. And my response is, look, this is oxygen for your grandchildren. You know, one of the great, uh, great problems of rainforest destruction is global warming. People say to me, well, I used to worry about the rainforest, but now I've got to worry about global warming. Well, what's yeah. the major cause of global warming? It's rainforest destruction. If you took all the cars in the U.S. and all the cars in China, uh, their emissions are putting less carbon in the atmosphere than the rainforest. So if you're concerned about climate change, and who isn't, you have to be concerned with rainforest protection. Right. I think I saw an article in the San Francisco Chronicle uh, somewhere that, you know, you're talking about that. And that's just something we don't understand. We put so much focus on. I mean, it's important that we get our car manufacturers to, to create these cars that emit less gases. But, but we've, we have to understand um, what, what the point that you're making here. So, yeah, we do all need to get involved more. And how can people donate, Mark? Well, they can go to our website, amazonteam.org. You can donate online. Uh, they could send us a check. Uh, you, you, our address is available on the website. But we are the most effective, effective and efficient organization in the rainforest conservation movement. Don't take my word for it. I'll look at Charity Navigator. Uh, we were awarded the Social Entrepreneur of the Year Award last year by the very prestigious Skoll Foundation in Palo Alto because social entrepreneurs are people who see a problem which many people consider intractable and they make real progress in solving it. Right. That's, that's the real deal, honey. That's the real deal. Again, I'm talking to Mark Plotkin, the president of the Amazon Conservation Team. Uh, you can go to amazonteam.org and learn so, so much more uh, about what we're discussing today. Um, Mark, I wanted to also talk to you. You know, we have a lot of women listeners in our audience. What, what is the role today in the Amazonian culture of women? Well, I think the role of Amazonian women is like the role of women everywhere. They do most of the heavy lifting. In yep. Amazonian cultures, women raise the kids, women do the agriculture, women prepare the food, uh, women do the textiles, they weave the hammocks. So, you know, they got the short end of the stick, uh, as we <laughs> say in Louisiana. Oh, uh, well, they say we come in knowing that, uh, the, knowing that our greatest role is to uplift the man. So, you know, that's what a good woman does, right, Mark? That, that, that's a positive <laughs> Some would take issue with that. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> sure women would. are the keepers. Well, of I'm culture. single right now, so you know, I must not. I must be failing a little bit in that because I'm just too <laughs> darn happy being independent. <laughs> well, I'm sure that won't last long. Uh, but uh, women are the keepers of the culture, and you have to work with women if you want to protect the culture. And many efforts are focused on the men because they're the politicians. They're the guys that deal with outsiders. When you land at the airstrip, it's the men that meet you, typically. And we right. have projects with women in the shamanic cultures in the Colombian Amazon to do food security because they're suffering, because our tax dollars are funding the stupid uh, program where we're poisoning the forests and the rivers and, and the game. And uh, by helping the women uh, increase the agricultural yield, we're helping them feed their families, we're helping keep them on the land, we're helping keep them out of the drug trade. What are you talking about, poisoning? 
Yeah, well, you know, this aerial spraying to, to, to kill drug crops has a real oh. human toll. Oh, dear. Yeah, that, yeah, of course. Of course it does. Oh, there's this cause and effect in all things. And if there was just a bit more research done, oh, what a difference it would make. So what do they do? How do they how do they protect themselves? What What is their actual life span time now of just the indigenous ones that are living there in the rainforest? Well, I would say that the average lifespan is probably 60 or 65, but I'm not sure that's a very good uh, measure in that there's a lot of infant mortality because there's malnutrition, and mm. uh, we have a lot of problems, health problems being caused by this terrible spraying program. Mm. So uh, people are dying at all sorts of ages different than you know what, what was really part of the traditional pattern. And uh, our idea is that people should be able to live a relatively traditional life uh, adopt to the main world, the outside world, on their own terms. We just completed a study, which is published by the Food and Agricultural uh, Organization, FAO.org, on the web, I think, uh, mm-hmm. which talks about how, when indigenous peoples come in contact with the outside world, be they Navajos in Arizona or Enganos in Colombia, uh, they tend to adopt the worst aspects of Western diet and lifestyle, which are uh, they stop exercising, in other words, they stop hunting, uh, they park mm-hmm. themselves in front of a TV and eat fry bread all day, they mm-hmm. eat uh, a, a diet rich in sugar, rich in fat, uh, mm. uh, heavy in salt, and get all the terrible problems uh, associated with that. Whereas mm. in the traditional setting, uh, they lived a much healthier lifestyle and live much longer. And yeah. uh, our, our data has shown that they need to make a conscious choice what to eat, not to eat, uh, how to live, if they want to live better. Look, I don't care if I find the miracle cure for diabetes in the Amazon if somebody's going to weigh 300 pounds and eat, eat poorly. That, the point is not to find the magic pill. The point is to take charge of your own health care and to live a better life and live a happier life and to find new medicines to make that possible, not to find the miracle drug to correct your incredibly terrible lifestyle, which you're not working at, and why should we all have to pay for Oh, dear. Yeah, I know. Well, that's a, that's a lesson for, for everyone. You know, I just the BC level is so high with our children here, and and uh, just the lack of activity is just really really sad. And you know, I grew up with a family of farmers, and my you know my great greats and my greats, and my even my grandfather, and my dad are incredible farmers. And and just to be able to get out and in the yard and in the hills and just plant, it's just it's touching nature. It's feeling the energy of what we have and and uh you know learning how to nourish the land and therefore nourish ourselves and no pesticides needed you know <laughs> just a little extra work yep. at times but um well I'm, I'm happy you know to hear you know that we we we're, you're seeing so many issues we're letting people know about it um what is a solution for all the the spraying of pesticides who what do we do how do we reach out and kind of stop this well this whole with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drug uh, war is, it doesn't seem to be won. Uh, the availability of drugs in the high school seems to be extraordinary and ubiquitous. And mm-hmm. it seems to me that any complex problem requires a multifaceted complex solutions. But spraying poison on somebody else's country, somebody else's crops, somebody else's river, somebody else's forest, is doing nothing but making people sick and creating enemies. So right. I don't see this as a, a solution, but I'm just an ethnobotanist. I'm not a policy expert. I know. And it's, it's the governments that make these policies in the different countries, or... Is it us? Well, it's the U.S. that's driving this because it's, first of all, our insatiable demand for drugs, and second of all, it's our planes and our poisons, essentially, spraying this mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I think this has been a disaster for U.S. foreign policy. And yeah. It would seem to me that getting a better grip on our demand for drugs through drug education and, and, and uh, eradication uh, in terms of you know reducing demand is a, a much more effective and benign way to go. Yeah, I agree. You know, we're raising children that know they're loved and, and have passions in their lives for other things so they're not seeking um, external forces to just step them into that place that's so destructive long term. And uh, there we are just creating all kinds of illnesses in our rainforest, which we think would be the purest of places in the world to be. Well, um, let's see. What else can we talk about today? Mark, i got to say, there's been so many articles written about what about all the halting of deforestation in the Amazon. Is it really better down in Brazil now, for, for one? Well, it seems to me that every six months there's another big article saying the Brazilians are finally putting a stop to deforestation. And the, the first time you read that, you think, good good news, great. And then the fourth time you read it, you think, didn't I already read this three times? So uh, there's a lot of destruction going on, but there's some good things going on as well. As I said, our programs with indigenous peoples to protect indigenous lands have proven spectacularly successful, and I think this is the way to go. Uh, I'm really suspicious, Marla, of these top-down approaches where you pass a law or you make some decree or you give a speech and say, okay, now the rainforest is going to be safe. Uh, you really need the bottom-up stuff, and the bottom-up stuff means working with the Indians who live there, working with the peasants who live there, not creating extractive industries like logging, which destroy the forest. Now, let me, let me uh, clarify that. You know, I have a degree in forestry. I'm not against cutting down trees. What I'm against mm-hmm. doing is building too many sawmills so people got to cut down trees because otherwise they can't earn a living, and then selling those trees for two bucks a pop to make, you know, chopsticks or toilet paper or what have you. You know, they're not making any more primary old-growth forest. If you're going to cut down a tree, it should be for a major uh, value added uh, that puts money in the pockets of breach costs of the Indians and the peasants and the local schools and the hospitals and the government officials. So it's not like me or the Amazon conservation team or the Indians are against development. It should just be smart development done the right way. And keeping the communication so open. Exactly, exactly. And allowing people to make an informed choice. Indians have been criticized. Well, they've sold off their lands in the past. Well, if people are just coming into contact with a cash economy and you're waving money in their face and the young men in the tribe want money, uh, it's pretty seductive. But if you say, look, uh, let's go up in a plane and fly over to forest area and say, now what are you going to hunt? Or let's paddle through a river that's been polluted by the gold miners and see the sick and dying fish and saying, now what are you going to drink and what are you going to eat since protein is, fish is a major protein source. But then you're right. helping them make an informed decision. 
Right, right. Yeah. Um, how, how, what about people that may be curious about taking a trip down to the, you know, Amazon, either Columbia, Brazilian rainforest? Is that, is that possible to do through you and through, through ACT? Well, the Amazon Conservation Team doesn't do active ecotourism. Uh, there are many organizations that do. And when I first went to the jungle 30 years ago, you know, ecotourism was called bird watching. And uh, everybody went to uh, Costa Rica or Peru or Suriname. And now all of those countries are back in the game. Uh, Costa Rica has really been overrun by ecotourism. A lot of people go there. Peru is back in the game. Suriname's back in the game. So it depends how rustic you want it. So if, if you want to get your feet wet or wet and muddy, uh, Costa Rica is a good first stop and as many places to go there. And then depending how adventurous you are, I would consider looking at... Uh, uh, Ecuador is very good because Peru is very good. Brazil has many programs, and Suriname is for the most rustic eco traveler, not for beginners. Mm-hmm. Right. What a beautiful place! I still have the Suriname photograph that you sent me up as my screensaver on my computer. <laughs> so I keep a little bit of it with me here, <laughs> and I look out at my beautiful date palm trees outside and just imagine. But I, as I sit safe without the anacondas. <laughs> Oh, Mark. Well, I got to say, I, I, uh, I was such a big fan of the movie Medicine Man with Sean Connery years ago, and, and what a thrill to get to meet the real Medicine Man and and see what you're doing and see these relationships that you've built with the tribal leaders and and with the governments. I mean, you put yourself in high risk. Is is that going better? The communication now between you know the leaders and and the governments of these lands. Well, one of the things we do that's been very effective is building alliances. A lot of environmentalists, for the best of reasons, create enemies and fight with people and lead boycotts and stuff. And sometimes you've got to do that. Sometimes you've got to be willing to go to the mat or lie down in front of bulldozers. But isn't it better to build bridges to the government and say, look, uh, it doesn't matter what you want to do with this river, or whether you want to dam it, whether you want to let it run free for ecotourism, whether you want to have commercial fisheries, you've got to protect the headwaters. And the only people right. that live in the headwaters are the Indians. So why not work with them and train them as park guards? We've run right. the first program in South America to train indigenous peoples as, pro, as, as internationally accredited park guards. And uh, it's a win-win situation because the Indians are in the forest. They've got a toe in the cash economy. They need uh, some income, not much. And why not have them as the eyes and ears of the government that's keeping out everybody from illegal loggers to illegal drug runners to maybe even al-Qaeda looking for places to run guns? And yeah, that yeah. benefits all the good guys. It's brilliant. So when when any of us make a donation to Amazon Conservation Team, we know that we're we're helping teach and educate these folks on how to be the best rangers and 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 to be able to be communicative with with the governments. Um, well, I tell you, you one thing: you I've heard you people. speak the language, and it's it's not an easy language to learn. <laughs> well, you've heard enough of it to know that. I, but one of the things you learn when you work with people is that you can't just go down there to help the women, or you can't just go down there to do human rights, or you can't just go down there to protect their ancestral rainforest, because you end up working in all those fields. They're all related. And we're involved in right. ethno-education, so that people learn the old legends, the old songs, the old ways of managing the forest and the gardens, uh, so that people learn how to use technology, so that the women have a chance to generate an income and have some money in their pocket so that the kids are learning not only the national language, but the tribal language. And again, that's another win-win situation. 
Oh, it's it's amazing. I mean, you're you're right. It's all about unity in all things. We can't just fix one problem like any, anything with our own bodies. We have to look at the wholeness, the whole body, you know. And instead, so so thank goodness you're able to to see that, and and you know the people you're working with understand it, and are, they're coming together so amazingly. Um, how is my Amashina doing? I loved having him here. I was Mark asked me to host a little party at my house uh, when Amashina. An incredible, incredible healer from the rainforest came up, and and I got to say, he just meeting my friend Luann, he discovered something the doctors didn't, which was a breast cancer, and uh, he 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 didn't say you have breast cancer. He said go to the doctor, something's not right, and you know I wanted to just share with you that she is healing so tremendously now. She did have a double mastectomy, but she is cancer free today, and. Uh, what a gift to be able to, oh, that me, when I was so busy, I didn't know how in the world I was going to get my house ready to have all these guests <laughs> come in. I, I just said yes, and that ended up blessing me back, you know, a hundred times over by um, being able to discover this situation with my, my best friend, and, um, and now she's doing tremendous. So, again, thank you for that. Well, thank that's the gift that. of the rainforest, Marla, and that's how Indians work. It's what I call the spiritual boomerang effect. And the mm-hmm. spiritual boomerang effect is when a person like you, who's very giving and helps a lot of good causes, uh, does something good, it comes back to them a hundredfold. And that mm-hmm. is really what ethnobotany is all about. Amashina is a man I knew for 22 years before he revealed that he was a paramount shaman, uh, one of the, the top healers of the region, and then proceeded to work his magic. And when we were in California that one time, we went to your house, and he treated your wonderful friend. Uh, yes. We also went to a party, and I said, now don't touch people. It makes people nervous in this and we're at a party, and he reaches over and puts his hand on this woman's belly, and she just kind of jumps. And he says, she's really sick. She needs to see a doctor. And she says, what did he say? What did he say? He yeah. says, he wants you to go get a medical yeah. checkup. And, and and then, and then yes, she. I hope she did do that. She did do that. <laughs> because Luann's case, uh, an you know, absolutely. She, she went back to her home in Asheville and, and went to the... And, and, and I went to the doctor, and I had a serious problem, and he figured it out. You know, that, that he figured out this woman's problem. No, I don't know how he did this by looking at somebody or looking in somebody's eyes or touching them, but it's it's something that Western doctors can't do, not like he does, and uh, it works. So when we talk about saving the rainforest, we're talking about not only saving new uh, biodynamic uh, plants that might have important treatments for prostate cancer or acid reflux or all these other things that Western medicine can't cure, we're also talking about diagnostic abilities, where these guys know how to diagnose ailments in ways that Western doctors can't do, even with the most modern technology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just so interesting to me. I just wish we could blend these uh, medicines and these ways of healing together so we can learn how to use that intuitive sense that the shaman use with nature, how they work with it, and, and our medical science. Um, well, you've long been a champion of integrative health care, Marla, and I think that uh, the, the, the medical office of the future, if we get it right, We'll have not just the doctor who does everything, because let's face it, doctors just don't have time to learn surgery and acupuncture and nutrition and 20 other things. The medical office of the future is going to have a doctor and a therapist and a shaman and a dietitian and all those other things, if we get it right. Yes, yes, I think so. Um, I was just speaking with Donna Karen in New York, and... 
and and she is working on that in New York right now, creating an, an integrative health system. So we should probably try to connect with her the next time we're both on the East Coast. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that are taking the money they've made and and putting it right back. Um, so so I just think that the more we can insist upon that um, and question it, and and you know, for me, it's just be open. I I'm a big believer. You just have a thought, put it in the consciousness. The right people will come together. And and Donna came up to me at a Kabbalah event a few about a month ago and started talking about what she's doing in New York. And uh, then I met a a doctor here in Santa Monica who also is wanting to reach out and really work with um, insurance companies and try to get them on board to increase the um, holistic and naturopathic medicine in ways that we can have our insurance cover that. I mean, that's a, <laughs> insurance is another bigger issue, but, you know, there are people that are active, so we can just keep building that circle together. How good will it be? So. Well, Dr. Andrew Wild, who's trained by the same professor at Harvard that I was, uh, mm-hmm. pointed out that at, at this point in time, years ago, insurance companies will cover you taking high blood pressure medicine every day for the rest of your life, but they won't cover you being trained in biofeedback, which could conceivably teach you to lower your blood pressure uh, to the point of almost a cure. Okay. I lost you again. What is going on here? Okay. Well, I'm here. If you can hear me. Oh, good. Now, you just keep talking because for some reason I'm losing, going in and out of my signal, but you just uh-huh. keep going. I want to hear, okay. I'm going to hear what I can hear. Okay. And the audience can hear you. So did you hear the last uh, story or should I repeat it? About Andrew Weil? I yeah. didn't know you had the same educator. Yeah, he was yeah. a student of Schulte's, the father of ethnobotany, and then went to medical school. Uh, I was a student of Schulte's and then did my PhD in biology. This is a man who's had a major impact on our culture because he trained Andrew Weil, who's certainly been a leader in alternative medicine. He was talking about this about 30 years ago. Well, most people thought he was nuts. Now it's pretty mainstream. Uh, he was an inspiration to William Burroughs, the beat poet writer. He was an inspiration to Allen Ginsberg, the beat poet. He's an inspiration to Leo Wilson, the greatest uh, biologist of the 20th century, the second half of the 20th century. So ethnobotany has been there uh, under the... Uh, under the cover, so to speak, in terms of influencing a lot of leading thinkers and movers in our culture. Right. Well, Mark, this is so, so interesting. I'm sorry I'm having a little bit of a problem hearing you now. I'm not quite sure if it's our my Internet here or, or, or you're on a landline, aren't you? I'm on a landline. So it shouldn't be your problem at all. It's got to be on my end. Um, but, again, I'm talking to Mark Plotkin, uh, the president of Amazon Conservation Team, our own special medicine man and warrior for the causes that are going to help bring the people together and create a really positive, positive acts for the climate in the world. Because I tell you, the, you know, the more that you, you do there with deforestation, you know, the more you can do to help, help wake everyone up, the better our climate is going to be. No doing. I'm so sorry. I'm just jumbling around here hoping you're hearing me. Are you hearing yeah. me? No, I'm hearing you fine. I, I, I think that it's important to point out that you know, this whole quest here about conservation of far-off land that many people won't see uh, involves protecting stuff that's a very real value to us here. You know, a typical American breakfast of cornflakes or rice krispies or corn or tomato juice or pineapple juice or hot chocolate is all based on rainforest products. And every year we've got to go back into the forest and collect wild relatives to increase yield and increase resistance to pests and diseases. I mean, corn is a major U.S. crop, and it doesn't come from Iowa. It comes from the rainforest.
right, right. Um, well, to see, this is the thing. We're all we're all just connected to one big environment, and this is what we all have to understand. It's not what's happening, you know, over there. It's over there. It's like everything over there is is going to affect us and our grandchildren and everything beyond. If you want to know more about Mark and Amazon Conservation Team, go to my website, MarlaMaples.com, under Awakenings, because he is and Amazon Conservation Team are doing more to awaken, um, you know, the spirit of many to understand what we can do. To, to you know stop the destruction of the rainforest to help bring healing into the entire world and uh, if you saw that this is it um, if you saw this is it with Michael Jackson um, I think you were probably as inspired as I was to to want to be more involved with what's happening in our rainforest and, and how that's affecting our entire global you know climate and um, Mark are you hearing me okay now I hear you fine I hear you fine Oh, perfect. So we're doing pretty well now. We're coming back through it. Well, we've had a good talk, and we have a few more minutes to go. But uh, what well, else? Another would you- thing I'd like to highlight, Marla, because I know this is near and dear to your heart, is the importance of this rain healing. Because it's so different than the Western paradigm. It's so different than the Western model. And, you know, Western medicine is the most effective method of healing ever devised. Uh, but it also has its holes in it. You know, there, there's lots of things that Western medicine can't cure. As I mentioned earlier, acid reflux, as I mentioned earlier, pancreatic cancer. And I just want to make sure that we're not destroying the means to cure these things, uh, some of which I know exist in the rainforest. First of all, in terms of chemicals, which is what's in the plants, and in some cases, the insects. And secondly, in the, in the knowledge of the shamans. You know, a, a colleague right. says, worrying, worrying about worrying is what kills white people. Uh, well, you in other words, that we have so much stress. In our urban lives, we are not involved to be sitting in front of a computer. We're not involved to be living in air conditioning. We're not involved to be stressed out driving home in L.A. traffic. And right. uh, this isn't something that Western medicine is very good at dealing with. And shamans can sometimes literally just pull it out of you. Right, right. I tell you, Mark, we, uh, we just need to keep opening up these conversations, having you know artists that are able to get out there and, and put the vision out clear. Uh, for all of us to see and be reminded, someone like you that's in there doing the work. Um, I think, uh, again, if you have the ability to donate and feel like you can just share like 10% of what your earnings are now, I mean, you may be giving it to your church, but if you have any any more that you feel you can share, try to try to go to amazonteam.org and, and give a little help, whatever it is that you can do, give a little help for, for you know, the work that's being done there because we really want to keep educating you know, the indigenous ones and, and, and putting them in the place as the park rangers to protect their lands, their waters, their agriculture, and to keep the communication open between the governments and, and those that, you know, are doing the agricultural work. So, um, I, again, just am, I'm so grateful to have you on this earth right now. And uh, anything more, any of you want to, to know, um, please go to amazonteam.org. And you can also go on a little virtual tour of um, some of the areas that Mark has been working and, and meet some of the tribal leaders there and, and see what actually is happening. So I urge you again to go to that site. And so, Mark, what's up for you upcoming? You've got your IMAX movie going on, playing in San Diego. I want it in Los Angeles. Can we get it in uh, Los Angeles? Well, Marla, <laughs> I know you have a way of making magic happen, so I'm going to leave that to you. But I'd love to come uh, reopen the film in Los Angeles. We're talking about doing a sequel in IMAX in 3D and bringing uh, people right into the villages of the shamans and right into the, the huts where the healing takes place. 
as you point out, you know, at, at MarlaMaples.com, and as you point out when you talk, conservation is about healing. It's about bringing people together. It's about healing the world's woes in terms of, of, of damaging the planet, which was the, the focus of the, of the piece in the Michael Jackson film. It's about healing ourselves in terms of our ailments, our stresses, our, our things that don't respond to uh, Western medicine. So, you know, we need to think of this as a holistic exercise and not just some bad news, yet more bad news in the headlines that has to be addressed. Absolutely, absolutely. As I wrote a little song called One World of Love, you know, that's what we got to do. We got to see this planet as our planet for all of us and just create more love in it at every moment and every time. And tell me again about trading bows and arrows uh, for laptops. How does that work? Well, trading bows and arrows for laptops is based on this approach we've taken with Google Earth and with these tribes in the Western Amazon. And that is that people need to learn technology in an age where technology rules. And so what, what, what Chief, was, uh, Chief Amir was saying when he said we had to put down our, our bows and arrows and pick up the laptop is there is more to be gained by enlisting a global audience, by asking for help, by talking about opportunities, by talking about challenges with the global community than just firing arrows at a couple of bad guys. Look, Google Earth has 44 million users a day, and it's growing by leaps and bounds. And to be giving uh, an Indian leader who's the head of a tribe of a few hundred people the, the, the megaphone to address that, that, that global audience is very empowering. And the great thing about it is it's not uh, a bellicose thing. It's not shooting somebody with a gun or a bow and arrow saying, I'm here, I need help, uh, this is what we want to do, this is where we need uh, legal assistance, this is where we need people to write petitions. It, it's kind of a peaceful way of dealing with a lot of conflict, and it's a very good thing. Oh, honey, it really is. And you've got your map, manage and protect strategy which is really, you know, protecting over 40 million acres of the forest right now. Well, exactly. The whole thing turns on this methodology of first you make a map, then you know what you got. Once you know what you got, then you know uh, how to manage it. You develop a management plan. Once you have a management plan, you then got to protect it. Look, we live in the middle of our territory, okay? Your kid goes to school a couple of blocks to the south. Your dry cleaner is over here to the west. Uh, Whole Foods is over here to the east. So you're in the middle of your territory. But when it's a big jungle and there's people nibbling at the edges because they want to mine, because they want to cut down trees, because they want to plant coca, you have to establish the borders. You have to put guards in the borders, and that's how you protect it. You know, we have deeds to our lands in this country. Indians often don't in, in the rainforest, and by living on the borders, uh, the bad guys can't sneak in and do bad things. Yep. And how much better to know you've got your own people there to protect your protect yourself. We don't have to bring anyone from the outside world in. It's 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 just brilliant. And when you see you know the pictures and videos that I've seen of of, uh, of them walking around in their little loincloth with their their GPSs and mapping the land and showing the places where you know this is a holy waters. This is where they find this healing herb. And you know you're watching them carrying this. It's just just amazing. It's just like don't change your wardrobe. Just carry your GPS and have your little computer. But don't change anything else. <laughs> the ultimate exercise in empowerment because when you put these people on the net they can communicate look there are people who think that indians should be walled off and left on their own and maybe in a romantic sense that would be a great thing to do but there's nobody on the planet that shouldn't have access to polio vaccine for example and you know giving somebody a gps and showing them how to map and manage and protect their lands is a lot more empowering than giving them all the you know the crummy detritus of western culture you know fast food uh, uh, all, all sorts of other stuff that really isn't going to make their life better and in some ways could make their life worse. 
So this isn't to say that all fast food is bad. It's saying that when you tell people, look, look how tasty this is because it's all full of fat and salt, uh, and they get hooked on it and put on 100 pounds and all sorts of other problems flow from this. I mean, this, this, this ties into this whole health care argument and crisis because there doesn't seem to be much discussion about preventative health care. There doesn't seem to be much discussion about holistic health care. How do you prevent people from getting diabetes, if possible, is, is, uh, should be much more economically cost-effective and waiting till they blow up and uh, to being widely overweight and then looking for this magic pill like I mentioned earlier. Absolutely. And unfortunately, that's what we've become accustomed to in so much of our culture. And, and also because, uh, you know, the money's not there. People are putting so much money into health care for when they have a problem, but they're, they're not uh, getting the help right now to, to be able to put the money towards preventive. I mean, I spend so much money for my family preventive medicine, um, but I still have to pay my insurance just in case, <laughs> you know. Right. There's something else, but well, yeah, uh, I guess a, a parting message here, Marla, is that we all need to take take charge of our social and our cultural and our environmental and our medical destiny. Uh, if we leave it in the hands of others, whether you're living in Southern California, whether you're living in the rainforest, you're at the mercy of other people. And you know, wouldn't it be better if we practice preventative health care and we didn't get as sick and we didn't get as overweight, we didn't get all the problems? associated with that, wouldn't that cut a lot of the cost out of the healthcare system, and wouldn't that solve a lot of the healthcare problem? And when you live with indigenous people, supposedly primitive peoples, illiterate peoples, and you see that they hunt and they exercise and they spend time with their families and they don't have the stress that we do, and they don't have the healthcare problems that we do, you think there are lessons we can learn from people like these, and we need to protect them, and we need to learn from them, and we need to teach them. And that's reciprocity, and that's where we need to go, and that's what makes for a better world. Amen, honey. So well said. So I just say build your communities up around you with like thinkers. Come together. Talk about ways you can do that, ways you can teach your children how to take better care of themselves to make smarter choices. Be active at your schools. Talk to the schools about you know refusing to have poor food laid out there before your ch- children so we continue this high obesity level of diabetes rate with our children. So just, you know, we all have to become active in our own families and our in our own communities. And uh, we just take note and we listen to the signs around us. We, we listen to people, you know, like you, that's bringing this great wisdom from the, from these uh, shaman back to us here. And, uh, you know, and, and yes, it, it can be expensive. Some of the preventive can, but not when you look at the long run, you know, your life, your health. It's, it's one time that you really have here to really create this beautiful, beautiful life and uh, read the labels. You know, if, if you, you can take your children outside at some point in the day, play a little game of ball, get them used to being outdoors, feeling the sunlight, getting the vitamin D naturally. And, you know, we just all have to, to have to do that. It's my daughter's been brought up by me and I'm a tree hugger and I love being, you know, out in the garden and such. But, you know, she comes home so busy with homework and it is hard for me to drag her outside. So, so what I'm saying is something I have to work on in my own life also. But, but I think, Mark, you've just made so many, so many beautiful, valuable points. Um, we could go on and on and talk about, you know, more that we can do in preventive health care. But I think we just have to demand it. We have to demand it in our worlds. We have to demand it in our governments. And we have to really have a voice. And again, like I say, find like souls so you can create that community too. And uh, Mark, I'm grateful you're part of my community. Uh, Learned so Likewise. much from you, and and again, um, MarlaMaples.com. Get any of this information. You can, you can uh, go in and uh, just see 
what's happening with ACT. Um, donate whatever you can, little, big, large, small, whatever it is. Every little bit counts because uh, you're going to be making a trip back there in a few months, aren't you, mister? And, and you got to be ready. I couldn't agree more. And if the world had more people like you, Marla, as idealistic and as determined and as open-minded and as big-hearted, the world would be a better place. Oh, honey, thank you so much. We just we all need each other, that's for sure. And again, thank you so much for calling in today. And, and everyone just have a beautiful, blessed life, beautiful, blessed day, and, and stay open to all the opportunities that will be before you. And, uh, and we'll just always reach out to each other. And we'll, we're going we're gonna to create a beautiful, beautiful world, an even more beautiful world. Have a beautiful day, Mark. Thank, thank you. Join us again next time on the first Friday of every month for Awakening with Marla with your host, Marla Maples. Till then, check out her website at www.marlamaples.com. <laughs>